Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the fantasy pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our hoop ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one -on -one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds one. Trey Slaughter. Network that is taking flight. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia. It's been too long, been so busy with work and school, but hey, have to make time for you wonderful fans of the program and of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm recording this right now on Sunday, March 28th, during the Hawks Nuggets game, which is not going great right now, but a lot has happened in the last several games. We had the trade deadline just passing this past week and the Hawks made a move, but not the move that everyone was expecting them to make. So we'll dive into all this with a special guest after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like super future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. 
So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. This guest needs no introduction. You know who he is. King Drip himself. He's back in the booth all the way up in the STL, but he's making time for us down here in the ATL to talk about a little bit of Hawks basketball, what's been going on in the association. My brother, my homie, the king himself, the super talented host of the new football show, Double Dribble, Mr. David Bracey. David, how are we doing tonight? Brad, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks again for having me, and what a phenomenal intro. You know, I just... I got to give you all the credit in the world. You're doing an excellent job with this program and really looking forward to talking about the Hawks this evening. Man, I appreciate your availability and your willingness to do the show. Um, fans, I wish I could do the show more often, but, you know, life keeps us busy and me and David are both busy. But like I said, we're never too busy to talk about some hoops. So before we talk about the last several games from the Hawks, which may have some people with mixed reactions, especially those who are real Lloyd Pierce supporters we could be happy to see that the wheels are starting to fall off of the McMillan train to start off uh, his stint as the interim head coach here in Atlanta. But it's not all negative, and I'm going to talk about that a little later on in the program. But we're going to start off with the trade to bring home, as I lit some of the sauce off my fingers, Lemon Pepper Lou, Lou Will, the Gwinnett County native, is now back in Atlanta Hawks jersey after a blockbuster-ish trade between the Atlanta Hawks and the Los Angeles Clippers that would send Rajon Rondo out to L.A. and bring Lou Will, as I mentioned, home here to Atlanta. So I wanted to get your take on that trade first, David. What you think thought about the Hawks bringing in Lou Will and shipping out Rajon Rondo? Yeah, you know, um, I can't say that it was shocking to see Rondo leave at the deadline. Personally, um, in my personal opinion, you know, when they signed him to that money over the offseason, I thought, well, this is a perfect example of what Rondo is <clears throat> very, very good at good at doing. And that's being savvy. He, he got his money. He got his championship and he prepared himself to be, you know, shipped off to a contender at the deadline. You know, play, playoff Rondo is, is very real. Unfortunately, I hate to say that, but playoff Rondo <laughs> is very real. He's a completely different player in the postseason than he is during the regular season. And a lot of that is because of availability, but a, a big part of it is because of his ability really to, to lead a team, especially in those late game situations. And I think that we'll see in the playoffs, you know, but I think that he's definitely had a measurable impact on Trey Young this season and his ability to, you know, kind of lead the offense, his ability to play make late in games. And really Rondo is, I hope, you know, going to be somebody who, going forward is, is really appreciated, you know, across the league for his ability really to, you know, sharpen that, sharpen that iron when it comes to getting the best out of his teammates. Um, and, and, and this is a guy who, you know, has a, a mixed bag of a personality to say the least. Um, but you, you really just can't argue with, with the numbers and you can't argue with his postseason performance. So it made all the sense in the world for the Hawks to move him. He, I mean, you, you know, you really weren't going to necessarily be, using him to his full playoff Rondo potential in Atlanta. 
Um, I think that we can all agree on that because as much as Atlanta does want to be in the mix for title contention, I, I don't think that, you know, that's really something that they're trying to cross off the list this year. I think for them, it's about making a strong, you know, regular season push, making a playoff appearance and continuing to develop what is, you know, a, a very good core group of young guys and ascending stars in the league. So, it, you know, it made, it made sense. Um, it also made sense for, them for who they got back, you know, I mean, Lou Will, you got, you know, hometown product, Gwinnett County stand up, you know, Lemon Pepper Lou, all those things. Now you're bringing back into that building um, as well as, you know, the savvy veteran leadership, the playmaking, um, you know, a lot of things that I think are going to be really great for Atlanta coming off the bench and Lou Will. And, and, you know, this is a veteran leader. This is a guy who's going to be able to, you know, get into the head of a Trey Young, into the head of a Bogdanovich, into the head of a lot of these guys who, uh, you know, view themselves as, as bucket getters, as playmakers, and help them figure out how to potentially unlock, you know, what what could be very, very um, important elements of their game, especially in the postseason. As we all know, Lou Will has a lot of experience there, has a lot of experience in a lot of different locker rooms with a whole host of different personalities. So I think for a lot of reasons that move made sense um, for the Hawks. And and as far as the Clippers go, you know, they, they got Rondo back. That's exactly what they needed. They needed a playmaker. They needed a ball handler. Um, you can make arguments that they could have gotten somebody better, but, you know, for what they got, I think that it's a pretty good fit. And as I said, you know, playoff Rondo has had a lot of success. So the Hawks will miss him. Hopefully they got the most out of the time that he did spend in Atlanta as short as his tenure was. But yeah, I'm excited to see what Lou Will looks like uh, on that roster. Yeah. And it was a little bit of grand opening, grand closing as far as Rondo, a lot of fans, you know, I mean, to be candid, we didn't get a lot out of Rondo this year playing every other game. And that's kind of what I expected going into the season when he had a well, obviously you had the bubble and his team won a championship. So they had the shortest rest along with the Miami Heat in the NBA leading up to this regular season. So I knew that we weren't going to get a lot in the regular season from Rajon Rondo. And you're absolutely right on the Clippers side of things. They got what they they desperately needed. They needed a point guard who can set up everything. So it's not Kawhi and Paul George just interchanging who brings the ball up as far as in that offense. Uh, so that's going to open up some things for them. And I think that's going to give them a, a chance in the West to, you know, continue to make things interesting as the Nuggets continue to look good as they are thumping us right now. Uh, the Lakers, obviously, the defending champs. You have the Utah Jazz with the best record, uh, the Phoenix Suns. So it's just going to just be a tough Western Conference, and they're going they needed a point guard as far as the Clippers side of things. And when you look at the Atlanta Hawks, I said this on Twitter, the Hawks get someone on their bench. Because let's be candid, if the Hawks were healthy the entire year with the depth that they do have on their bench, Rondo was going to be perfect for this group to initiate things around them, especially when you have a full healthy roster and Cam Reddish is available and DeAndre Hunter is available. You got Bogey. You still you got Gallinari. The young players on the bench, Rondo was going to be instrumental in kind of just leading that second unit. But we really didn't get that. Uh, but a few games when most of the roster was healthy and then when you have him playing every other game, you're not getting the most – bang out of the buck as far as what you're paying him, uh, what they paid him this offseason. And so you get Lou Will, who is going to add scoring, more scoring than obviously Rajon Rondo off the bench. And I'm thinking about the pick and pop ability with uh, between him and Gallo, how nasty would I be? You know, Lou Will can go get a jump shot. He can create for others. Uh, he's just a bucket getter. And for him to be home, I think that's going to be an added element to just kind of 
maybe re-energize him. I know he had the comment saying that he contemplated retirement after being traded home to Atlanta after leaving the Clippers because that was it was a you know, tough pill to swallow leaving a contender for a team that's trying to build themselves up to where the Clippers are. But I think it will be a wonderful opportunity for him, especially being back home in the state of Georgia, in the city of Atlanta, playing for the home home team that has been in his backyard, you know, you know, up in his adolescence until obviously his high school days before going into the NBA. So I think this will be a good move for the Hawks uh, to continue to act firepower off the bench. It's going to be needed more than what Rondo was providing. Now, I want to say Trey Young, continue to keep Rondo's number, continue to have him. You know, send clips of your games uh, here in Atlanta to Rondo in his spare time. Have him look at film of you and continue to grow from him. Because I know that Trey Young said that he learned a little bit of, you know, game management and getting everybody involved and making the right decisions, the right plays at certain times. And that's the area of growth that I have seen in Trey Young's game this year. His assist leading to everybody else getting going and him not necessarily having the, you know, 30 point outburst as of late. I mean, he's going to get his points. He's always going to get his points. And David, feel free to chime in. Uh, um, Trey Young's always going to get his, but I've definitely seen a difference in him basically empowering his teammates in stretches when he's on the floor by giving them opportunities to score. And that's something that we needed to see because of the, you know, the narrative narrative of empty stats talking about Trey Young and I've seen some growth and I think that it could be definitely attributed to Rondo, you know, being in his ear, being on the bench during games early in this year. Yeah, Brad, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you to your point. There has to your point, you know, we could definitely still get a lot more out of Trey Young. I don't think anybody's contesting that at this point, but he's, he's very young, you know, he's still very early in his career, but there have been a lot of flashes of the, the potential, the future, the, the, the playmaking ability that he really does bring to the floor. I mean, his playmaking and passing, the things that he's able to do almost unconsciously on the court are, I mean, they're, they're, they're phenomenal. They're, they're exactly what you, you hope you can get out of somebody who also has his scoring ability because then that really, you know, elevates the ceiling of everybody around him because he's just really able to make them so much better. Similar to the way that the Golden State Warriors have been able to build this transformational offense around Steph Curry because of his ability to get open and play off of the ball, to pass, to just really just pull the defense every which way. And I think Trey Young has a lot of that same kind of potential. And, you know, like you said, Rondo missed a lot of games this year. I don't think anybody was really counting on Rondo, though, to help them win regular season games and more to help them round out their regular season and prepare for the playoffs again with that veteran savvy you know that leadership and we would assume based on a lot of stories that you do hear about Rondo and his time in other locker rooms that he has been in you know those guys ears he has been you know kind of pulling them to the side hey here's what I'm seeing here here's what we could do here here's what we can tweak this here's what I think you know you could do here to make yourself better like because Rondo again for all of the the questions about his personality and his demeanor especially during the regular season. He is such such a great leader. And from, again, the accounts of guys who shared locker rooms with him and spent time with him, he's such a great teammate. You know, I mean, even LeBron James, who for a long period of his career, especially very early on, absolutely despised Rajon Rondo. You know, they had very heated series going up against the big three in Boston. Um, LeBron welcomed Rondo into L.A. with open arms. 
You know, he mm-hmm. he embraced who Rajon Rondo was, and Rajon Rondo took no problems. You know, checking the throne when it was necessary. You know, because that's the kind of guy Rondo is. You know, Rondo is not the kind of guy who's going to let LeBron huff and puff just because that's what LeBron's used to doing. Like, because Rondo can huff and puff himself. You know, and there are times when he huffs and puffs that maybe he shouldn't have. But again, that's just kind of the caveat with Rondo. You're going to get some really, really great things out of him. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be, you know, not so great. But the greatness, as we see, can win you an NBA championship. And the not so great uh, can get you waived, as we saw with this time in Dallas, you know. So it's 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 Russian roulette with Rondo sometimes. And ultimately, you know, I think that that's just kind of the curse of being so great. It's just not always going to be a great fit, you know. Yeah, 100%. And I know that some people will say, well, even with Rondo on the team, you know, Trey Young still has a lot of turnovers. And turnovers is something with the structure of the offense is going to happen, especially when you're the primary ball handler on the team. And right now, Trey Young is averaging 4.2 turnovers per game, which in hindsight, that's not great. But like he does have the ball in his hands a lot. So and to put it in context, James Harden, who is arguably in a lot of people's MVP conversation this year, he averages 4.2 turnovers per game. Luka Doncic, who was the MVP favorite coming into this season, and, you know, all the Luka stands who likes to pop up in my mentions all the time, Luka averages 4.3 turnovers per game. So when when you when you're ball dominant as you know these three players that I mentioned are and Trey Young obviously in this conversation turnovers are going to happen and those don't you know change overnight but at the end of the day he's still third in the league in assists per game at nine and a half right now and he's just trying to you know get everybody involved get theirs get everybody going because we see when everyone's going the Hawks can string together almost a double digit win streak but when, you know, teams are playing, you know, giving them different defensive looks and making it tough on Trey Young, pressuring him when he is, you know, ball handling and bringing the ball up. There's games like tonight where he has six turnovers last time I looked uh, in the game. And uh, obviously the Hawks are getting drummed right now in the Mile High City, which to be to be candid, we talked about on the last program, we kind of expect that one to be a tough matchup, especially how the Hawks beat them about a month ago here in Atlanta. So I'm not surprised by the result. But, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, tonight's result uh, whenever it becomes final in the other games prior to that. But I did want to ask, so no John Collins move, which a lot of people were shocked about on a trade deadline, David. And then the rumors came out about Golden State really interested in uh, Bogdanovich. And then we heard, you know, potential, you know, trade with Boston, with Atlanta, and New Orleans, with Lonzo. So just a lot of just rumors, which makes for great, you know, water cooler talk at work, uh, great to add to a special on ESPN. But at the end of the day, there was no John Collins move. And I'm not upset by that at all. And the day after he did not get traded, he had a career high 38 points for the Hawks in a win uh, on national television, which I was really happy to see. And then bogey, I know the Hawks just signed him. I, I didn't want him necessarily to be shipped out. I mean, maybe the money, you know, some people say, hey, with the money he's getting paid the next few years, you got to pay Trey. 
if Golden State's giving up something good, maybe you you do listen to that call. But what was your takes on, you know, John Collins and Bogey staying put here in the ATL? Yeah, the trade deadline was pretty interesting this season. Um, and a lot of say the least, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, you know, kudos, kudos for that. But I'll start with Bogdanovich first because I think that's a shorter conversation. In regards to that, I'm not surprised that Golden State was interested in him. I'm not surprised that Golden State was interested in a number of players, pretty much any player except for Kelly Oubre. Now, unfortunately for Golden State, he happens to be the player that's on their roster. So it remains to be seen what they will do with him as, you know, there's questions about whether or not they will keep him. I believe this is actually the last this is the last year of his deal and then he'll be unrestricted free agent this summer. Um, that's correct. Yeah. So and Kerr has been very honest about it. You know, uh, we'd love to keep Kelly. Uh, we look forward to having him, you know, the, in part of our bench. OK, he used the B word and, you know. Kelly, all the B words are the same. Okay, so uh, unfortunately, I, wow. I don't know. <laughs> I don't wow. know how that situation is going to play out. Um, his game has gotten a little bit better here as he's kind of starting to get a little bit more comfortable in the Bay. But yeah, so the Bogdanovich piece, I'm not surprised that they would have loved to get him. Uh, you know, he'd be a great fit for their offense. But unfortunately, I don't think that Atlanta was all too keen on Kelly Oubre. And I don't know where, why they would be when they have DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish and Bogdanovich, you know, and... <laughs> And Kevin Herter, and you know they have all these guys already, so I don't really know why they would, why they would do that, um, especially considering the money that they would have to be prepared to pay Kelly Oubre. Um, so the second piece, the John Collins aspect, I I don't know why Atlanta would have moved him. You know, I I really do feel like they are going to try to make it work this offseason and get a deal done. Um, I think that. It's funny because, you know, not that many seasons ago, we watched the whole Buddy Heald situation play out in Sacramento, and everybody was pretty sure, like, okay, no, this has come to a head. Buddy Heald is out of there. There's no way they're going to give him that money. They have to choose between him and Bogdanovich, and they're giving Bogdanovich the minutes and bringing Heald off the bench. You know, he's an older guy, et cetera, et cetera, all these narratives. And then they paid the guy and kept him on the bench and traded Bogdanovich, and where are we? You know, so... I, I don't think that the Atlanta Hawks situation is anywhere near as murky as that one is. So I think no, they'll be able not, to yeah. work it out. Yeah, so I think that they'll be able to work it out. I think they'll be able to, you know, retain John Collins if they choose to. Um, I mean, worst comes to worst, you could always do a sign and trade with some team if there's a really good fit, someplace he's keen on going, and that place is willing to give you back those assets. You know, stranger things have happened, but he's a young forward. Uh, I think that he's a good fit for their team. Um I think Nate McMillan will continue to unlock aspects of his game, especially defensively, that I think he's kind of lost um, somewhere over these last couple seasons here. Um, because the guy, I mean, his verticality is it's it's insane. And I just don't know why Atlanta would be so willing to just to just walk away from that, um, especially considering all the pieces they brought in. Yeah, and who said that levitation, Holmes? Uh, that's John Collins to a T. I think isn't that Scott Van Pelt who says that? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, Scott VFL. Shout out, Scott, if you ever check out this podcast. I would love to meet you one day. One of the coolest uh, white guys out there. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Uh, but Levitation definitely is in this game as he has shown his high-rising ability time after time with blocks and dunks and just his, you know, even his lift on his jump shot when he has a smaller uh, defender on him, which is one of the things I love seeing with that him taking advantage of, you know, within 10, 15 feet of the basket, that little turnaround jumper that he's developed. 
Uh, he's definitely developed an offensive end, and you know, there's no question there. And he's made strides defensively. So I just wanted to see him see him continue to grow because I know he's talked about how much he wants to stay here in Atlanta, and how much Atlanta fan, Hawks fans want does him to stay here uh, and see this thing through. So uh, I'm glad that we kept kept both of them. Uh, didn't make definitely the bogey rumors did not make sense to me and. Uh, John Collins, you know, as you know, the suitors started being mentioned, no team basically that, you know, was linked to the Hawks made sense. So I'm glad to hold on to him and let's see if we can re-sign him. We can work out a deal. And maybe it's one of those situations, David, where they just kind of just sit at the table and say, hey, this is our plan. This is who we want to bring in. And if John Collins can buy into it and sacrifice the almighty dollar for a potential shot at a championship in the next four or five years for the Hawks, then it was, this will all be worth it. This will all be worth it. But until then, you know, we got to take it one one game at a time. And right now, if we're looking at the game that we are currently playing, as I mentioned several times on the program, against the Nuggets, it's, it's not pretty right now. It's not pretty. It's final now, as the Nuggets did beat the Hawks 126-102. Trey Young did finish with 21 points, five rebounds, uh, seven assists, and two steals. So a good stat line from Trey Young tonight in a losing effort, but Outside of Trey Young, no one else really helped him. Uh, Gallinari with 14 off the bench. John Collins, who we mentioned, only had 11 points, five rebounds, had four fouls in the game. Capella didn't even get a double-double, 10 points, eight rebounds. So an off night from him. Bogdanovich, uh, below average shooting night with nine points. Uh, Herter, who had eight points in the first half, looked really good, didn't score in the second half. So tough Lost to Denver, but as we said, I'm not really surprised by that result. So we're going to talk about the last six games, including this Denver game, real quick after this plug for Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement, and it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruce Letter is back. Oh, yes, back and fresh for the 2020 2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds uno dos tres cuatro cinco seis siete ocho nueve diez 10 seconds again the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and you get it straight from the goat and brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league all right, we are back. We're going to talk about the last six games from the Hawks. I already went over some of the numbers versus the Nuggets tonight. Uh, I know, David, we're both not shocked by that outcome as far as the Hawks uh, getting beat by the Nuggets. I was surprised how lopsided of a game it was. But when you look at the numbers and you see that the Hawks were out-rebounded 49-31, to 31, 
you're 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 probably gonna lose that game. And uh, the the Nuggets 32 assists to 18 for the Hawks. You know they have new energy. They just added Aaron Gordon, who you know is a, a force on the glass and can definitely score in the paint. As the Nuggets did outscore the Hawks 50 to 32 in the paint. And at one point, the Nuggets had a 33-point lead tonight over your Atlanta Hawks tonight. So, David, uh, is there anything to talk about as far as this Nuggets game? Um, should we just move on and talk about, you know, the better days of this last six-game stretch? Well, I guess for the sake of the people listening to this program that I appreciate the Atlanta Hawks, we should. But if you want to talk about the Denver Nuggets, I mean – Two words, Aaron Gordon. Oh, my God. That guy, I think people forgot how athletic he is. I think it's going to be a lot of fun watching him on the Denver Nuggets. I saw some highlights tonight. Jokic passing to him, cutting to the hoop. Oh, man. It's and oh, it's going to be fun. I mean, and he is, I think, in the perfect spot for him. Uh, I think in Orlando, he kind of felt like, well, I'm the best guy here, so we need to be running like 15-plus plays through me a game. And I don't think that that's really where his offensive skill set is best suited. I think right now he's comfortably the the third or fourth best player on the team, you know. So a more athletic, younger Millsap, uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun watching him bang with, you know, the Kawhis, the PGs, the LeBrons out there because that's exactly what he was brought out there to do. Um, so I'm excited to keep watching the different Nuggets. They got a good squad. Uh, they got a good squad. Um, but for the Hawks, you know, I mean, we talked about this last week. We said it was going to be it was going to be a tough road trip. It was going to be a test. Um, you know, they came out with a black eye and some bruises here. But ultimately, you know, I think that there were some even in the losses, you know, you saw flashes of, of really, really good things yes. going forward for the Hawks. And I think that there are definitely big takeaways from this road, this road trip for them personally. Um, you know, for individual players and some of their performances and also, you know, from a team aspect as they will continue to build, guys will continue to get healthy, get back in the game shape. Um, and, you know, they're looking around the league and they saw what the Bulls did. They saw the Bulls brought in, you know, a real heavy hitter in Bucevic. Okay, that's no joke. Him and Levine are going to be a real problem. Um, you know, the, the Celtics have been, you know, almost, almost strangely stagnant here. I mean, they added Fournier, but to me, that is a questionable yeah, move yeah. <laughs> in a fire sale from Orlando. You know, I, I I think Orlando clearly got the better side of that deal. And that's because they're tanking all the way to the bottom. Um, you know, so it the Hawks, the Hawks really, you know, they are they are well positioned to to obviously make up the play in, but to to make them to make themselves a legitimate case to to make a playoff seat um, because it's luck of the draw, especially with the play in. And I think that as long as they continue to continue to, you know, solidify that offensive continuity that I think that they're still lacking a little bit. Um, I think that they'll be really good because they got some good guys on their team. They do. 100%. And I want to go back to the Nuggets getting Aaron Gordon, which I thought was the move of the trade deadline, in my opinion. And this is why, you know, leading up, I said that John Collins, at Atlanta, and then obviously the Denver Nuggets and potentially Michael Porter Jr. would be a wonderful trade because of what you know we're seeing from Aaron Gordon, similar type player. I think John Collins is more skilled offensively than Aaron Gordon, but just what that fourth op, third, fourth option of the offense could could do when you have Jokic and you have Murray and you have a young player in MPJ 
and the Denver Nuggets is going to be really, really exciting, um, 100%. And so I'm really excited for them on that end. Obviously not excited to receive the ass whooping that we just got today from them. But, I mean, <laughs> it has to neither here nor there at this point. But when you look at the Hawks, you're absolutely right. They're prime for a move. I mean, not a move, for, for, for an, a little run. And they made their little run to get put them where they are right now. At, which is currently with the loss tonight, they're still sixth in the East right now, which is which is still in a good position. And under Nate McMillan, they're still nine and three under him. So those are good numbers for the Hawks as of late under McMillan. And when you look at the last several games, um, outside of the Nuggets game where they just got drummed, the Thunder game, which we knew that the Thunder, you know, they they, they bring it every night. That's not an easy win that's not a scheduled win for any team in the league unless you're you know the one of the top tier teams and even then they're not a cakewalk they took care of them pretty handily here in atlanta and then they go out on the road and they play a lakers team that doesn't have lebron james or anthony davis you did what you had to do you won that game in you know in great fashion you feel good about yourself so that's two and oh to start you know this little six game stretch that uh we're reviewing and then they play the Clippers and they had they played great for about two and a half quarters against the Los Angeles Clippers and fell apart, which was a Lloyd Pierce trait. But it's also as much as you want to attribute that to Lloyd Pierce and when he was at the helm and how this team responded when he was you know leading this team, it's still a product of a young team. And the Clippers are still fourth in the West last time I checked. So even though Paul George and Kawhi did not play great, they put the second unit in. The second unit really carried that Clippers team to a win over the Atlanta Hawks. And it was a huge swing in the second half, which is disappointing. You want to win that game, especially when you had the lead and you had a sizable lead over the Clippers, double digits in the third quarter. And to lose that game in that fashion behind the play of Terrence Mann and... Uh, Luke Kennard, players like that beat you when, obviously, when you think of the Clippers, you're thinking of, you know, PG and Kawhi and Lou Will, obviously now an Atlanta Hawk, and they are the ones that beat you. You know, that's a tough pill to swallow. But in that same breath, they're, they're the fourth seed in the West. And me and David, I mean, and feel free to chime in. We talked about this, you know, talk, planning this episode Going into the year, if you're a Hawks fan, and for me, if I would have came out and said, hey, the Hawks are going to split the four games between the two L.A. teams, go two and two, you take that. Uh, and, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, do you take that if you're a Hawks fan? Oh, 100% you take that. 100% you take that. Yeah. And if you look at the two losses to the L.A. teams, arguably both of those games are a couple possessions away from the Hawks winning it. So I think it shows that the Hawks are a little closer to the top half of the league when healthy than the bottom half. They just got to continue to learn how to finish and continue to grow and mature and build continuity, which is what you alluded to, you know, a few moments ago. Uh, especially on the offensive side of things, continue to build that continuity there. And then Nate McMillan continue to emphasize defense and communicating on defense and being a tough physical team, getting up into their opponents and sustaining that defensive pressure 
for 48 minutes in the NBA game. And that's something that they're going to have to continue to work on. And so, Brad, not to cut you off, but to your point, you know, I, I think you make a really great point about Nate McMillan when it comes to his defensive emphasis. And that's why I say that they need to round out that offensive aspect of their game, because I think the defense is going to come. I think that that's going to be a part of the culture of that team. It's going to be ingrained into that organization as long as they have Nate McMillan at the helm. Um, and I think that the Hawks have a bunch of young guys who are just natural athletes that will be just a, a treasure chest of offensive, you know, or I'm sorry, of, of you know, defensive Swiss Army knives for, for Nate McMillan. You know, you have all these big switchable guys in Herder, in Hunter, in Reddish, in Collins. Even Capella is a guy who's a big man who you can bring out to the perimeter and who is more than competent. You know, Trey Young is always going to be, you know, a little lacking on the defensive end, but that's more so because of his size than anything else. So there are certain limitations to his game that we just have to understand when it comes to the defensive end of the court. But when you have guys like that, you can surround him with none whenever he becomes healthy you have all these guys who are natural defensive um, presences already and the more that they can sharpen that part of their game the better they're going to become and the offensive continuity is so important because when you limit those turnovers those high volume turnovers those late game stretches where you find it hard to score or when you find yourself losing by five by four by less than 10 points you're able to bring that number down to a two-point game instead of a six-point game because you didn't have eight turnovers in the first half. You know, you're not having all these empty possessions, and you can keep yourself more in it late in these games and have more confidence in your ability to close those games out. 100%. I 100% agree with you. And to your point as well, if they're limiting those turnovers in there, you know, even if it's not a turnover day, it's a shot and a long rebound. At least gives a team a chance to get back and get the defense set. Cause so many times when you see the Hawks in transition, especially if Trey young is back there playing, you know, center field against a driving guard or a forward on opposing team on a fast break, you, you know, the, the bigger guy is probably going to win that matchup. So if they can continue to just get stops on the defensive end and get better. And with Nate McMillan's track record record as a defensive minded coach and his success with all his teams defensively, when you look at the numbers, especially in the last 10 seasons, he's coached, they're going to get there. And it's, it, it takes patience. It takes, you know, players being available continue to just take it game to game. And we've seen flashes of that in games. Uh, I thought defensively, against the Clippers, they looked great in a lot of stretches of the game until obviously the end. The Lakers game, they looked great defensively. The Thunder game, they looked great. Uh, and then the next game we're going to talk about is the Sacramento Kings. And this it was a disappointing loss because everyone's like, it's the Kings. You're not supposed to lose that game. Going into, you know, the West Coast trip, back when the Kings were struggling, I looked at that Kings game and said, you know what? That's a game that we're, we're going to win. We're going to win, especially how the Hawks took care of them when they played in Atlanta. I was like, that's a game that, you know, they're going to win. I, I had no worries. And now looking back on it, since the Kings lost to the 76ers on March 20th on, on last Saturday, the Kings have won four straight games. Yeah, they played the Cavaliers twice. And the Warriors without Steph Curry, who we drummed on national television. But the Kings are, the Kings are one of the hotter teams right now in the NBA. So as bad as that loss felt 
and it felt it, it, it sucked. It definitely sucked, especially when it came down to the last possession and an opportunity and the Hawks did not get it similar to like the Dallas game on ESPN earlier in the season. It hurt. It hurt to not see them win that game. And it's a tale of two games. The first game in Atlanta, De'Aaron Fox goes off, but no one else helps him, which helps the Hawks get the dub here at home. It was the opposite story in Sacramento. Uh, De'Aaron Fox goes off again, but everyone else around him helps him. On the, on the offensive side, which made it tough and is why the Hawks lost by two. So to show you how De'Aaron Fox can go off and then people help him and the Kings beat them by two, as, as much as a tough pill to swallow, it shows that the Hawks were the better team. They just didn't, weren't the better team that night. So t- to that point, do you agree necessarily that even though it is the Kings, they've been playing better ball, and as bad as that loss felt, it's not really – a disappointing loss in that regard, if that makes sense, David. I mean, you, they definitely played hard. I thought it was a hard-fought game. So, in the sense of, you know, don't be too hard on yourself, you know, sure. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, like, <laughs> you are getting paid to win games, not lose them. Okay, so win games, you know. And especially against the Kings, who are, again, no disrespect to the Kings, because clearly they heard me and they proved me wrong. So shout out Brewski, shout out everybody who is standing outside on my front yard, blaring <laughs> the Kings PA announcements. Um, I, I, you know, they, they, they've been playing well, but it, the Kings are, are not what you would call, you know, the most competent late in games for a lot of reasons, for the fact that they're young. You know, for the fact that they have some erratic playmakers. And I think that those are two tendencies that they share with the Hawks. So this game was kind of a, you know, luck of the draw. And unfortunately, the luck was on the side of the Kings and not the Hawks. Um, but again, these are the kind of games that the Hawks need to win. And for as good as it looks when, you know, they're able to beat the Lakers or, you know, trounce the Warriors without Steph Curry and all these things, you know, the games that aren't necessarily on national TV, but that should be, easier wins um it seems like time and time again they they slip away from the hawks late in games yeah it's something they're gonna definitely have to work on and looking at the box score of that king's hawks game like i said 37 from De'Aaron fox and then you have 16 from rashad holmes 14 from buddy hill he i mean honestly he, he wasn't that great that game but the thing that Hawks fans are going to point to is Tyrese Halliburton, who I was really high on going into the season as far as who I thought the Hawks should draft, has 17 points and seven, 17 points, seven assists and five rebounds. And he was two or four from three and six or 12 from the field. So 50 percent shooting across the board. I know it's going to be easy for the Hawks to say, well, we should have got Halliburton over O'Connell. It's, it's going to be that's going to be that's that's a low hanging fruit at this point, because. And, and David, you can speak to this too. It's much easier for a guard or a forward to transfer a than a big man, especially a young player, because the big man is expected to be the defensive anchor, know the defensive coverages, get the you know get the players in the right position defensively, but also have to work on fine tuning his game. And I think it's more of a learning curve when you look at a big man coming into the league. I mean, look at Wiseman. A lot of people are saying. 
You wanted to call Wiseman. You know, a lot of people in our uh, in our uh, text thread that we're not going to put some people out on blast. We ain't going to say his name on here. Uh, one of the coolest Pittsburgh Pirates fans we know. Uh, <laughs> we ain't going to say his name, David. But he was trying to say Wiseman was a bust. But I think it speaks to more t- so how tough it is for a big man to adjust into the NBA unless he's just a physically imposing force. Uh but any big man that's skilled and still has some development to do, it's going to be much of a tougher learning curve going into the into the season, especially rookie season. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think it's because a lot of times, especially for the bigger guys who are less offensively polished, um, the emphasis of the team's ability to win games is not necessarily built around that player's individual skill um, and more so just, yeah, like you said, Brad, their, their presence, their big body um you know they they might be an athlete who can get up and have some some kind of verticality but with a lot of these bigger guys typically they don't necessarily need it they're it's easier for them to get up there you know um so yeah it's harder for a lot of these young these young big guys because they're coming out of college where they were pretty much just put out there to be big defensive weapons um and catch the occasional lob um, they don't necessarily have a whole lot of low block um, offensive moves. So, yeah, they don't get a whole lot of shine here um, unless you're an Aiton where you are, you know, kind of touted as this offensive defensive juggernaut, you know, coming out of college like he was, you know, uh, you know, th- th- those are the differences. Those are the reasons why Houston was so willing to just say goodbye to Clint Capella, you know, among other things, because they just didn't necessarily value him from what he did offensively they basically just thought well you know anybody can catch a lob so we'll find somebody else who can do that here um and capella has proved a lot of people wrong you know i think he's playing excellent for the hawks and is a really really good player um so yeah and you know yeah we won't we won't say their name but we know who they are and yeah people who want to say guys like Wiseman are a bust because you know they are not coming out and having 20 and 10 games every other night like i mean you know, that's just the reality of the league for big guys. It's always going to be harder because the league has shifted away from them. It, it's a it's a mm-hmm. guards game right now. Yeah, 100 percent. And even though we have some, you know, really talented bigs, the Embiid's, the Jokic's that are in this league, the towns that are in this league, you know, they still had. To, I mean, you like you said, they came in with some offensive tools along with the, you know, the statures to come in and make more of a media impact. Whereas you see Okongwu. In Wiseman, they're a little more wiry. They need to grow into their body and handle that physicality because they do have, you know, intangibles that they possess that are going to translate to them being pretty good NBA players. But I just think people need to continue to be patient with Okongwu uh, instead of, you know, just kind of call him a bust with a little over half of the season of his rookie year played like to call him a bust now it's just too early because there's still so many different elements to his game and growth that needs to happen people basically can say all right he was taking sixth in the draft that's why he was taking six and and that's going to probably come in about three or four years because he's going to have to you know spend a, a couple years in the league understanding coverages understanding the physicality growing into his body and then from there, obviously, taking leaps and bounds and growing offensively. So it, it's a process. It truly is a process. But and I'm going to say this, too, it's, it's easy for, you know, Hawks fans to get down on Okongu when you're looking at Nathan Knight, who was a four year player in college, four years in, the, in, in college. You're going to know who you are as a player. 
you're going to know who you are as far as what you can and can't do on a basketball court. So I, I say it's a little bit easier transition from an, a four-year player to come in and make a more of a media impact because they're a little bit more mature in terms of a basketball sense. And Okongu still has some maturing to do. So everybody just, you know, be a little bit patient with Okongu. It's, it's going to come. Uh, it's going to take some time. He's an investment. I know that some people just players, you know, we're in an instant gratification type society. Everybody wants things now instantly, you know, we're a microwave society. Like I like to say, and, uh, as much as and be joked about trust the process, a lot of people really don't want to trust the process. They want to see results now. So we're going to have to be patient with Okongu, but I think it will come in due time. And I think that signing John Collins so that Okongu necessarily isn't thrown into the fire, but he can continue to learn behind John Collins and learn with Capella, you know, right next to him in a locker room and on the practice court with him. It's going to do wonders for his game. So let's let's be patient, guys. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But uh, to talk about a couple games going forward, just to look ahead after, you know, we get drummed by the Nuggets tonight. And if you look at the last six games, the Hawks went three and three. You talked about it, about, Winning the winnable games, we need to continue to get better at that. They have gotten better at that. In that little nine games, eight game stretch where they won, uh, nine game stretch, I think it was the winning streak that the Hawks had. They 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 did that, but it's about being consistent in that, and you know that's going to take time. So they have an opportunity. I mean, Phoenix is going to be a tough game. We can talk about Phoenix. We already know that they're a tough team. Chris Paul, D Book, Aiden, as you've already mentioned. That team is is playing playing really good basketball right now. And then they got San Antonio, who, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is gone, but, you know, they're a younger team, a younger core now in San Antonio. They drummed us here in Atlanta a little over a month ago. So that's going to be a revenge factor game. And New Orleans is playing great ball. Zion is playing out of his mind right now uh, with a stretch of games that only Shaq has done in the last, you know, 30 years in basketball was shooting 50% and scoring 28 plus points per game. Uh, he is just a force. He's an absolute force right now. And you got Golden State again. We'll see if Steph Curry is back for that game. And the Warriors are a little bit healthier because they're going to have something to say after they got embarrassed on national television. And then after those four games, with well, five games with Phoenix, San Antonio, New Orleans, Golden State, New Orleans again at home, they have two more home games before heading the road. And it's the Memphis Grizzlies and Chicago Bulls. So this next stretch of games is not necessarily a cakewalk to either. Winnable games against teams who are young, have energy, and they're hungry just like the Hawks. I know it's all about establishing good habits, continuing to establish good habits, continuing to grow on the offensive end and continue to get better defensively night in, night out for the Hawks. But, I mean, it just speaks to the rigors of the NBA. <laughs> Uh, these next stretch of games, uh, what do you foresee from the Hawks? Uh, and what do you want to see from the Hawks? Um, you know, I think to put it simply, I want to see the things that, you know, we've kind of touched on as as we've talked here over this over this last production. Um, I, I want to see offensive continuity continue to round into shape. I want to see. I want to see them continue to build that defensive culture, that presence. Um uh, across their roster, I want guys to continue to build and get into shape, back into game shape, and I want the Hawks to be able to execute late in games. And I think that, again, we have to take a lot of things into consideration. 
the fact that this is a young team, the fact that this is a team that's had a lot of new guys on the roster, guys in and out of the lineup, and they've had, in one season already, multiple head coaches. So there are reasons that things have not yet gelled to their full potential. But with every game that passes, you are simply losing out on opportunities to maximize that said potential the longer that you delay that gelling. So hopefully, hopefully here over the next couple games, over the next couple weeks, as we get closer and closer to the NBA playoffs, the Hawks start to look really good. You know, Hunter, Reddish, healthy, back in the lineup. Hopefully, you know, veterans like Gallo coming off of the bench are really producing and helping the Hawks win these games. Hopefully guys like Bogdanovich, Trey Young, Collins are really shining. Capella's making a big impact on both ends of the court on on the rim. You know, hopefully these are things that we're we're talking about when it comes to the Hawks over over these over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I just want to see this team continue to just get healthier and healthier as Hunter continues to round in the form. Bogey continues to round in the form. Whenever Dunn gets back, as you said, and, you know, Reddish will be back probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, so we, we just need to continue to get uh, the full deck and continue to just grow and mature. And I'm looking at a tweet from our friend Chris Kirshner with the Athletic Child. Chris talking to Navy Millen. He got a quote tonight that even though they got drummed, this is what a head coach is supposed to sound like. N- talking about the officiating tonight, uh, Nate McMillan said, I thought we got distracted with the officiating, me included. Me included. That's really important. And he said, I didn't make the adjustments during the course of the game as far as how they were attacking us. And I thought that we just got caught up in the officiating. We can't do that. We have to focus on our game. And I think right there, if, if, if that's a great way to end the program, that comment right there is what separates Coach Lloyd Pierce from Nate McMillan. You hear the accountability in that comment. I have, I didn't make the necessary adjustments. I got caught up in the officiating as well. He didn't just put it all on the players. And I think that mentality, that we mentality that Lloyd Pierce was trying to preach but really did not walk necessarily with some of his comments into the media and how he – seemed like he tried to distance himself from what's happening on the court. Nick McMillan was owning. And I think that right there is that instills confidence in me that I'm like, you know what? I think this team is going to be fine. This team's going to be fine. They're going to have to take it game to game. And they have the right guy at the helm right now to take them game to game. So with that, that's all we have for the program tonight. I want to thank Mr. David Bracey for coming on to the program. It's always a pleasure to talk hoops with you. And how can my listeners keep up with what you got going on? And uh, how can we get drip like you, Mr. Bracey? Oh, holler at me. Check me out on Instagram and Twitter, DFB underscore three. Hit my DMs for basketball, drip, all your other things. Um, I'll do what I can. You know, I try to feed the streets the best of my abilities here. But this is not a soup kitchen, okay? So, Bring your bread, all right? Um, but in an unrelated note, uh, for basketball-related things, the Double Dribble podcast will continue to build here. Check out all of our social media channels. Check out everybody on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our Hootball Instagram page for everyday NBA news. Definitely check out all our team pages on Twitter. We got some really awesome content, a lot of reaction pods from the big trade deadline. So you're definitely going to want to get all the best takes for all your favorite teams. Uh, Hootball's doing a lot of great things here, so check us out. 
And all you great fans of Brad out there, please continue to like, subscribe, and review for this man. He is doing absolute numbers for the network here, and we are all very, very thankful for him bringing his talent to our production team here. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Y'all show my brother some love. I'm going to continue to try to do this program justice. Uh, like I said, I'm sorry I'm not posting as frequently, but that's why we want to have kind of these broad discussions about what is happening on the court, what is happening with this team and the direction that the team is going with the content we are providing you. Give me feedback. Uh, t- tell me what you want to hear. Do you want me to continue to try to do it more game to game, or if you like these type of discussions uh, to give you some food for thought as far as the current status of the team, what's going on on the court, and the direction that this team can go, which I think is still the playoffs. And I know David definitely sees them. He said it earlier in the program as a playoff team uh, this year. So with that, if you love what you heard from us today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it, tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap numbers. Do not lie. A a a a a a. Shout out Uncle Larry. Larry June. Stay healthy out there on them folks. People, share this podcast with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett. Six, seven, that is Brad J A R R E T T six seven. And as always, yeah. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.